As we come out of yet another pandemic lockdown, life as we know it has become very different. In this episode, Jess Dempster gives an honest and fascinating insight to the challenges that she and other young people are facing in today's world. A uni student who has moved from the country to the city for the first time, Jess reveals the many unique challenges, pressures and difficulties that she faces in her new life. I hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for joining me today. No worries. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So tell me, um, obviously, we had a bit of a chat the other day. um, And uh, at this point in time, we're all in South Australia. We're all in lockdown. Um, Can you tell me how, first of all, how you're going with that? Um, Yeah, we'll just touch on that because I think right now there's so many people that would relate to that. Um, So you're obviously in... Adelaide and you're a country girl and have moved up there for uni studies um so just fill us in a little bit on how you're going during this time especially yeah well lockdown's been a little bit different for me this time um you know at the start of last year when COVID hit I moved back to Narracourt for the um first kind of lockdown that we had and Mm -hmm. the proper lockdown we had in November last year I was also home in Narracourt so this is my first lockdown kind of away from my family and friends mm-hmm. so I've been mostly by myself which mm. it's been it's okay you know you go through kind of ebbs and flows like you know it's been great to be able to leave the house and exercise and go shopping and stuff but yeah after a while you do kind of get sick of your own company so yeah absolutely I mean yeah. there's only so much time you can sort of spend in your own thoughts so what are you doing as far as that goes um just to you know I have no doubt that there would be times where you can get stuck in your head like we all can um tell us a little bit about that yeah, well, it's been, um, it hasn't really been that bad, luckily, this week. But yeah, for the past few weeks, I've been struggling a little bit mentally, just feeling really mm-hmm. down. So during lockdown, mm-hmm. I just kind of made an effort to kind of just say, I'm not going to let myself feel that way and be, be in that right anymore. So I've just been, you know, trying to make the most of the 90 minutes of exercise we get going outside. I've been, you know, cleaning every inch of my house. <laughs> Mm-hmm. going through my bedroom just cleaning stuff up um with uni going back next week I've been you know doing some research into my courses mm-hmm. I've been facetiming my sister a lot and you know calling mum and checking in and seeing how she's doing and yeah just keeping myself as busy as you know you can during lockdown I guess yeah yep oh that's good to good to hear so um I would love to touch on just the um you know having moved from the country to the city um and Um, just the pressures that I think a lot of young people might put on themselves having to have it all together and you know especially so not only have you moved from the country to the city and having to adjust to all of that adult adult type lifestyle having to pay bills and you know all the pressures that go with with everything along those lines but also the pressure of um, you know having to feeling as though you need to know what you're going to do in the future as far as career goes. So where would you like to start? I think any or all of that would be important for people to hear. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, definitely, I kind of feel like it was a little bit different for me. I'm sure that it's not just me and my sister who had to go through this, but when we both moved to Adelaide, where some of the people that, you know, most people when they move to Adelaide, they have grandparents or family friends or uncles or aunties or at least some form of network up in the city. For me and my sister, we just did not have that. Um, you know, finding a place to live, we had to do it all completely independently. Um, 
that so that was you know I managed to get into uni lodge because that was kind of the only option I could see because I didn't know anything about finding a house through real estate or anything mm-hmm. and that was just something that kind of I remember at the time feeling very stressed about it because I was watching my friends other friends who were moving up at the same time as me and they'd managed to find like a really nice house really quickly and we're all settling in one of them was moving in with a partner one was moving in with a housemate and even so yeah even before moving to uni there was all that kind of like oh am I doing this right like am I Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was just it was just a little bit funny you know just looking back it was like it was such an exciting time to start looking for housing and stuff but it was kind of the first experience of going oh adulting's hard and you know it was Mm -hmm. one of the things that you know mum and dad couldn't really help because you know what how are they supposed to help in that situation it's up to us to find where we want to live and Mm -hmm. all of that so that was just really like an interesting time but yeah luckily I got that in and got sorted with that which was good mm-hmm. um it was definitely an interesting experience moving away for the first time um I've lived at home my whole life um never really spent that much time away from mum and dad mm-hmm. so moving uh especially um being a twin as well that was definitely one of the harder parts was not only mm-hmm. moving away from mum and dad but being separated from my sister who you know looking back through school sports we were always kind of together, even if we didn't necessarily like hang out all the time in those situations, she was still always there. So yeah. it was kind of the first time in my life I was away from everyone and had to be completely independent, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. a really big change. Mm. I think it's, um, I mean, as you said, not only the fact that you had to move away from family but and friends and your whole entire life, but the twin factor is pretty huge. And I don't think, I think unless you are a twin I think it would be hard for a lot of people to comprehend just that feeling um, of maybe separation or loneliness that you might get um, from that. Would you say, yeah, what would you say about that? Is there a, um, is there like an innate feeling of isolation or loneliness when you've been separated from your twin? Yeah, it was definitely bizarre at first, especially because I think, you know, growing up, especially when we got to high school, we did become a lot closer And definitely Mm -hmm. after we turned 18 and during our gap year, we spent so much time together and, you know, we kind of made that shift between just siblings to friends. Mm -hmm. And it sounds a bit silly saying that because, you know, back in school, we'd have some people kind of, you know, make fun of us for being so close and being together all the time, which was a bit strange. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, definitely being separated. It was just a really um, it was just a really weird time because, you know, I'd never been without her. She'd always just kind of been in the house. And it was, I remember it was quite interesting as well going through that is because I was, I managed, I surprised myself quite a lot with how well I kind of handled it. Like I was mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I missed being at home, but the homesickness wasn't as overwhelming as I thought. Whereas my sister, I remember she was struggling a fair bit and mm-hmm. that was really hard for me just kind of knowing that, you know, my sister was, you know, feeling homesick and being, un- feeling a little bit unhappy and mum and dad would, you know, checking in. It was a be- it was an awful feeling not being able to kind of be there and support her through it and also not being able to have her support on hand. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, especially mm-hmm. being from, you know, being two minutes apart in our own bedrooms and just the, like, hey, do you want to do something to her living at Flinders and me living out at McGill? We were about 40 minutes away from each other. So those first few weeks in Adelaide, it was a little bit harder with city driving and trying to figure out our uni schedules to even get over and see each other. Mm-hmm. once we figured that out it was great and now we can spend a lot more time together which is good but yeah mm-hmm. the first few um weeks it was very bizarre I remember mm-hmm. the first time we actually caught up again she went in for a hug which was really um really surprising and we joke about that a fair bit because we've never Unlike been her. affectionate yeah 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely not the physical, like the physical siblings, but yeah, uh-huh. it was nice actually. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, and yeah, so tell us a little bit more about uh, what you've been going through in the last few weeks as far as, you know, with, with everything, with the pressures of it all, including COVID and, and everything else that we're all sort of navigating our way through, but some um, probably have it a lot easier than others. So it's been a little bit weird. It's been, um, so we're cu- I'm currently in my uni holidays. So it's the kind of, um, it's the break in between first semester and second semester for a lot of uni students right now. Mm-hmm. And doing the degree I do, I'm lucky enough that I don't have any exams or anything. So mm-hmm. I have a six week break, which is really fortunate. And I'm very thankful for that because I'm in comparison to say my sister, she does exams. So she only gets three weeks of break in between the semesters as opposed to my six. Mm-hmm. So I was really excited, but I feel like it's you know it's my second year of uni and it's also again last holidays I was back at home because of COVID and getting ready to move back up so I was Mm -hmm. at home with my family and catching up with my friends in Narracor and I went on a girls trip and stuff Mm -hmm. and it was just a good time but these are the first holidays where I've recently started a new job which has been good but it was kind of the first time since really starting uni that I've kind of been reflecting on just my life and stuff in general because I'm doing a four-year degree but the degree that I'm doing journalism is typically a three-year degree I'm just doing a double one Mm -hmm. so a lot of my friends are already halfway through their degree and getting ready to graduate and just it's been a real big point of conversation about our internships that we have to do and working and just talking to all my friends it's been really Mm -hmm. um like a lot of my friends they're working you know they're working a lot I have one friend doing like 40 hours a week and earning a lot of money and I have other friends from uni who are currently working within the journalism industry one's a newsreader one's kind of a social media influencer and yeah I guess these holidays it's kind of been I'm really proud of them as a friend watching them achieve all this stuff but it's been mm-hmm. really hard to kind of not compare yourself to others I yeah. guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is you uh- know at- yeah, absolutely. Like the human um, human nature to compare ourselves. But um, yeah, tell us how difficult that can be sometimes for you at the stage that you're at um, and knowing well, exactly what you've just said, that so many are doing certain things and am I keeping up or whatever it is. Yeah, well, at first, um, you know, all of last year, I was, I was unemployed during my first year of uni because I had a gap year during 2019 to kind of save money. So last year was, you know, kind of just a I'm just going to focus on settling into Adelaide and being a uni student and getting used to that. And in my second year, I'll get a job, which Mm -hmm. I've then gone and done. And when I got the job at first, I was really, you know, happy and proud and getting money. It was like, oh, this is good. I feel really settled. But then, yeah, after I kind of settled back into work, I was kind of watching all my friends, you know, getting achieving stuff within the journalism industry or saving a bunch, like, you know, having so much money in their bank accounts. And it was kind of like, it kind of changed my feeling of accomplishment personally to, you know, I kind of slipped back into that, oh, am I not doing enough? Should mm-hmm. I be, you know, working at this bakery saving money or should I be out there pounding the pavement trying to work as a journalism, trying to work in the industry already? And it was just, it was just a little bit confusing for me because at one point I feel personally, I feel very content where I am right now and the fact that I'm during my second year of uni, I'm doing well, I'm working part-time, earning money, and I'd feel, I was feeling really content with that. But then when I was looking at everyone else and what they were doing, that point of comparison just kind of made me second guess myself, I guess, and kind of slipped back into a, oh, am I not doing enough? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think comparison's a big issue with a lot of people your age? 
I definitely think so. And just I've kind of found I think when you move to the city as well or even when you move away from your hometown and you start meeting new people, it's a great opportunity to, you know, you make so many more friends and you have so many new experiences, but you're being exposed to a, like so many different people and cultures and it kind of makes you look back on your own life because I feel like coming from a small town like Narracourt, yeah, you know, some people, there's differences within what, you know, what our parents do or how much money we have or, you know, what sporting club we paid for. But mm-hmm. everyone kind of had a very similar upbringing. And when mm-hmm. you get to the city, you know, you get to see that, you know, that distinguish between between private school and public school, country people and city people, um, you know, some people who are just extremely wealthy who get to live at home with their parents during uni and not have to worry about bills or groceries or fuel. And then there's other people who, you know, have been living independently their whole lives and are just trying to scrape by. So mm. it's just a bigger pool. And I feel like, yeah, it's very hard to, not even not even if it's like you're insecure with yourself, you know, even just comparing yourself to one another, it's just sometimes hard to not feel a little bit jealous or envious of what other people have mm-hmm. and feeling like they have it easier, which is just mm. something that you have to kind of reflect on yourself, I guess. Yeah, I only saw something yesterday. I, I think it, w- it would have been on Facebook. Um, can't remember exactly the facts on it, but more or less it was saying um, when you think that others have it easier, think again, because you just never know what's going on behind closed doors in any situation, whether they're, you know, as you said, whether the, it's the wealthiest person on the street or the poorest person on the street or whatever it might be. No one really knows what's going on inside that person's head. And I think it's something that's so important to remember. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that, especially when you, um, you know, when you check in on your friends, especially during lockdown right now and checking in with how everyone's going, seems like everyone's kind of in a bit of a tougher place right now. So it's important to kind of make sure and check in on your mates and make sure everyone's doing okay. And if there's anything you can do to help, especially mm-hmm. just with, you know, being that person they can FaceTime or promising to go out and get a coffee with them after this is all over, which is something mm-hmm. that I'd like to think that I do a good job of with keeping my friends in touch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, talk about a little bit more about that feeling of isolation I know we've touched on it but I think it's something that's very underrated um, and even the word isolation I think is a softer word than lonely I think we don't use the word lonely enough because um, there's a bit more of a stigma attached but in um, COVID we can all say well I'm isolated but actually is it that we're isolated or is it that we're lonely how what would you say on that You know, definitely. I feel like the word lonely is actually really interesting because when I was kind of going through that rut and I was taught, I opened up to a few friends about it and they just kind of said, well, what's wrong? And I just kind of had to come out and say, well, honestly, I'm just feeling really lonely. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's it's the lockdown, it's COVID, it's even just being on uni holidays. You know, I've gone from seeing, you know, my new friends, my old friends, just people at uni, you know, at least three times a week. to you know not seeing them at all and you know we've gone out for dinner a few times which has been lovely it's been great to see them but within you know just even on social media people have been so busy you know people open your snapchats and don't respond or you said you tag them in something on facebook and they only like it not love react <laughs> and as, yeah, an overthink- yeah. as an overthinker like myself that can even just put down in your mind kind of going oh have i done something wrong do they not want to be my friend anymore mm-hmm. but it's also that issue of you don't want to be too persistent with reaching out to them you know you can send them a how you going and they can say good you and you can say good but it's sometimes really hard to kind of reach beyond and be like oh you know I miss you I really wish we could catch up or just I'm really Mm -hmm. struggling at the moment especially if they don't ask how you're going because that's Mm -hmm. just 
mm-hmm. you know it's hard to kind of you know express how you're feeling especially during these times and come and not come across as a burden just in the sense that everyone has something going on in their own life and it's very hard to kind of communicate your feelings Mm -hmm. that's so true everyone does have something going on in their life do you think that it's that feeling of vulnerability uh so if I open up and explain to you how I feel at risk of you either not responding or responding in in a bit of a um uh I guess less than compassionate tone I think sometimes for me especially the fear is kind of you know I've always kind of struggled with reaching out to people because in the greater scheme of things, I like to think I'm very conscious of all I have good in my life. Like, I, you know, my parents are still together and still in a loving relationship and they're both are very supportive and care about me and my sister. I have a great relationship with my sibling. I have a great group of friends, both from back home and in uni. I have a lot of things going for me, but I kind of feel like, especially, you know, when you're struggling with mental health, sometimes that stuff is still irrelevant and you can still feel really down and isolated and lonely despite all that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that kind of makes it a little bit harder to reach out sometimes just because, especially when you have friends who you know are going through stuff and they're they're your support system, but you feel almost silly reaching out to them going, hey, I'm feeling really down at the moment when you know that they have other stuff going on. So I think for me, it's kind of the fear of being a burden Mm -hmm. that occasionally stops me from, you know, reaching out or being honest with people about how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. what would you say to your friend if they were to say to you oh, I feel like I'm being a burden what would your response be to that I mean I always let them know that I'm all, like that's the reason why I'm their friend the fact that you know they feel like they can confide in me is such a blessing in the sense that you know it's lovely to feel needed and especially you know wanting to help out with people you know and being able to it's hard because you know you can't always help them in their situation mm-hmm. you know if you know a family member they love is sick or they're having relationship problems or something like that it's hard to offer the solution but I'm always just someone that just kind of does you know I'm here if you need if you ever want to catch up with someone or I always like to ask if there's anything I can do to help mm-hmm. especially if they're like you know a uni friend or something if they need a, if they need help getting their assignments done or if they just need someone to come over and talk to them Mm -hmm. so I I always just try to help them in ways that I know I can be impactful and effective or Mm -hmm. I'm always I always you know am the first person to go maybe you should try you know seeking help you know um you know maybe Mm -hmm. you should try talking to someone not Mm -hmm. in like the condescending way but just in kind of the you know sharing my experiences with reaching out and seeking help and saying that's really helped me overcome my issues Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. I guess it's you know you have to kind of force yourself to go you know, it'd be lovely to think that, you know, your friends aren't going to judge you. And in my heart, I know they probably won't, but it's hard to overcome that barrier sometimes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would love to just touch on, I know that you have done very well over the years in your, um, in the academic side of things. And I would love to touch on that in the sense of, um you know, striving for the higher grades and if we don't get the higher grades, how how does that make us feel? And I guess it also comes a bit back a bit to the comparison side of things as well. Um, what would you say on or say to someone or even telling your own story, I guess, about having high expectations and continuing to have to be, you know, getting, say, in uni high distinctions or distinctions, that type of thing? I mean, it's quite weird, actually, because growing up, you know, I was never, you know, back in primary school and early high school, I was just kind of an average C, you know, C, B mm-hmm. student. Mum mm-hmm. and dad never really minded that much about our grades as long as we were trying and, you know, getting good comments and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. I think around the t- I think it was around the time I was in year nine or year ten. I really started just striving for those higher grades. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember where it actually happened, but it just got to the point when I kind of I think it was around year ten where I just kind of everything switched for me and getting A's was something that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. I remember openly once crying in English once because I got a B plus in an assignment and it was just so upsetting. Which mm. looking back, I'm aware how ridiculous it sounds, but it's just hard to it's hard to explain the disappointment. But definitely after um yeah, year eleven, year twelve, I did I'm I'm very proud of how I went. I did really well. I got a good ATAR, I got into uni. And during then, like I said, um, I had a gap year during 2019, which was interesting for me because after, you know, years of kind of basing my worth of academics, I was just kind of settling into, you know, the working world and, you know, learning how, you know, in real life people don't grade you and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it was a really nice break during my gap year just, to, you know, worry about work and having fun and saving up with money. And when I went to uni, I had every intention of, you know, I'd spoken to mum about it, spoken to everyone. And, you know, it's a common saying within uni students, peas get degrees. Mm-hmm. And especially within my degree, a lot of our tutors are very, um, very, you know, open about how it's not about your grades. It's about your, you know, your work ethic, the quality of mm-hmm. work you produce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And it's all about making good impressions. And even though I heard all of that, you know, I'm still someone that, strives really hard to produce work to the best of my ability and yeah during my first year of uni um even with COVID I made an effort to um you know I attend a lot of you know after after uni study sessions um correspondence with my tutors and stuff and just work really hard to get good grades and yeah at first during uni I was you know I was trying to be very conscious about you know not letting my grades define me but I think after you know those first few assignments and doing well and seeing that high GPA I kind of fell back into the trap of, oh, like, you know, I have to be the smart one. I feel like there's so much pressure. And I think maybe that comes from, you know, doing well in high school and, you know, receiving all that validation from, you know, friends, family, friends, people on Facebook, Mm -hmm. teachers and stuff saying you're going to do well in the future. I think I kind of fell into that trap of basing my worth on academic success. And especially in uni, it's sometimes difficult because um, at least in my degree, we're all very close. We're a very close-knit kind of group. We have group chats where people like to share their grades. So even when I was in that mindset of, you know, it doesn't, you know, my grades don't matter, it was very hard not to compare yourself to others, especially when you have people going, oh, well, I got a HD or I got a D. And especially just with, you know, there's assignments where you try your heart out and you just don't get that grade that you were after. It's Mm -hmm. one thing to kind of be disappointed in yourself. It's another thing to kind of compare yourself to others. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not, it's not even just a me problem. I think uh, there's a major issue with expression in uni. There are so many kids that struggle the same way I do with, you know, feeling sad when you don't get that D or HD. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm always the first person to console my friends going, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, you pass, that's all that matters, or a credit's still a great grade. But yeah, it's really hard for some reason. I just can't seem to apply that to myself, but I'm trying. I'm making a real active effort to kind of not let myself get as down. Mm-hmm. I found at the end of this semester, at least, I was definitely a little bit more lenient with it because I just started working. And as I was doing my final assignments, I, you know, a few things had gone wrong as I was doing them. And I submitted them with that mindset going, look, you tried your best given the circumstances. You know you've put in the work and you know you know the material. What grade you get is what you get and you're not going to get upset over it. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't quite true in the end. I was still a little bit disappointed. But now that it's kind of 
it was more initial disappointment. And, you know, mm-hmm. now a few weeks down, I'm looking back and going, you know what, that was fine. I still did well and that's all that matters. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, What about the pressure? You know, uh, so I think this starts in high school from memory at roughly year nine, year 10, maybe even earlier to the pressure to need to know what you want to do in the future. Um, and again, from memory, I, uh, I knew what I believed I knew what I wanted to do from an early age. But since then, I've had three careers or I'm on my third career. Um, so I'm a big believer in not having to know what you what you should be doing for your entire life ahead. What's your view on the pressures that are put on young kids to know exactly what they need to be doing and make that choice here and now? Um, I've always kind of thought, you know, I never really had a great idea of what I wanted to do. I knew mm-hmm. kind of what field I wanted to get into based on what subjects I enjoyed. So, you know, I always enjoyed English and history and writing and was never very good at math or science and didn't really enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of knew I wanted to get into that kind of field. But even, you know, back in high school, I kind of thought being a writer wasn't really realistic. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I think with those pressures of kind of knowing what you want to do, it's made so much harder Especially, I think, when after coming to uni and talking to some of my friends that went to private schools, you kind of realise that going to a small school like Narricot High School, you know, I still had a great education there. But the issue is you don't have as many subjects on offer. Mm -hmm. If there's not enough kids to fill the classes, you either have to do them online or not do the subjects. And, you know, in regards to SACE, if you want to do a subject in year 12, you've had to have done it in year 9 or year 10. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the moment a major flaw in our education in our education system is that you know that kind of stuff isn't made very clear, and a lot of people kind of get to year eleven and year twelve and kind of feel trapped by the subjects that they've studied. Mm-hmm. And I know so many people that you know when it came time to to apply to uni and they kind of realized what field they wanted to get into, they didn't have the prerequisites or they didn't feel like they were going to do well in them, so they kind of second guessed themselves. Mm-hmm. which fortunately for me, um, I was kind of in the stage where I'd never even considered journalism as a career up until year 12 and applying for uni. I was kind of just reading through different degrees and kind of came across it and did some research into it and went, you know what, that actually sounds like it could be up my alley and I applied and got in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, luckily for me, my first year at uni, I fell in love with everything about it. It was just everything about it from the assignments to what we were learning to the industry itself. I just kind of became completely infatuated with it which is great but Mm. also you get to the point now when I feel like it's no secret that the journalism industry is constantly changing and in a bit of a situation right now and university even is very open about that you know I think the first week the first thing they say is there's no jobs in journalism and just Mm -hmm. you know they're very um you know they're very open and they you know they try to steer us into they try to you know as you're studying journalism at UniSA, at least, you know, we get taught how to do radio, how to write, how to do TV, how to do all fields, how mm-hmm. to do, you know, PR work and press releases and use the computer and different programs to kind of make sure we're, we're well, we're well-rounded, which is good. But, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like there is definitely a lot of um, pressure on people, especially within um, this industry, especially within my degree, at least, to, you know, if you want to be successful in it, you have to work hard. And you have to, you know, do as much as you can while you're in uni to kind of define yourself. Mm. And I feel like that's a lot. It's like that for a lot of different degrees and a lot, a lot of different people. And yeah, I kind of feel like we're definitely, you know, you do kind of definitely feel trapped sometimes with what you want to do and what you have to do. But Mm. 
definitely I'm trying to keep a more open mind about, you know, once I graduate, you know, if, you know, if it doesn't work out, there will be something else I can do down the line. I'm sure I'll find something else I love just as much. Or, you know, if I am very passionate about it, I'm going to make it work. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like a major thing for me was definitely, especially with feeling trapped within degrees now as um, last year, you know, there, there was that new bill that passed that's doubled the cost of most communication degrees and lowered, you know, the cost of ag degrees, which is good. But mm. I remember talking to some of my um, classmates about it because our degree has gone from $25,000 to $48,000. Right. Like it's just doubled mm. and for honestly no other reason than the government doesn't think it's important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of, it's a very scary thing to kind of reflect on. But mm. it's kind of my opinion that me and my friends are talking about it is that I feel like if they want to, you know, push people into degrees or into different jobs, that kind of stuff needs to start in high school. You have to, you know, get, or even primary school, you have to get people excited about that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. back when they're younger and they can study it in school and, you know, have a passion for it and learn about it. Not mm. when they're halfway through year 12 and they've done a bunch of arts, you know, they've done English and history and drama and mm. then being like, oh, well, we actually need you to be in agri- like we need you to go into agriculture or we need you to go into, mm-hmm. we need you to go into medicine or else you're going to have to pay triple the cost of a degree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you think um, that it takes a passionate teacher, for example, or um, a passionate um, uh, counsellor, I guess, a career counsellor to get students passionate? Because if, for example, the ag teacher is not passionate about what they do or the, you know, how, how do you see that changing? Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's definitely, you know, I've had, I was lucky in going, like I was lucky in my school and I had a lot of teachers that really inspired me and, you know, encouraged me to pursue whatever kind of area I wanted and, you know, really nurtured me and offered me that extra help when I asked for it to do well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I definitely feel like it's definitely, you know, teachers and nurturing environments, but I feel like a lot of it is based off the individual. Mm-hmm. I think something, especially, you know, keeping on with, you know, moving from the country to the city, once you get to uni, you know, you're among all these people. Some of them, you know, went to really expensive private schools. Some of them, you know, came from public schools. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, who like to flex their ATAR or flex their education on you. And you just kind of have that, especially coming from where I came from, it's kind of that moment of we're doing the same degree, though. That's mm. all that matters. Mm. Like, you know, mm. we, we all got here. We're all here. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I can do just as well as you if I if I want to. Or, you know, mm. we're all competing now in the same degree and we're all taking the same courses. So I think it really is up to the individual and, you know, finding that passion and what they want to do. Yes. But also, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like it's definitely important to kind of, there's definitely, and I feel like a lot of it is financial with uni, you know, not wanting to change degrees because it'll add that extra year of study or that extra lot of debt onto your hex debt. But I feel like a lot of people, especially in the regards to uni, feel kind of trapped in the degree they've chosen and a little bit hesitant to drop out or change their career path mm. which is a shame but I feel like you know if you're not happy in what you're doing you need to change it or else mm-hmm. you're just not going to really get anything out of it mm. Mm. I think that's an age-old thing a lot of people would have started uni and then um, whether it be relating to finance or not starting um, a degree in something and then not sure whether it's okay to change is probably all coming back to society's norms and what's expected and you know, I started off, um, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I really don't like the degree at all. Yeah. Um, you know, what? Um, so it's all coming back down to what pe- what someone else might think of me as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. But at the end of the day, it's up to the student to, uh, well, it's their life and, and um, they're the one that will be working in the field in the future. So you want people in the field that are actually enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, I feel like that's especially prevalent with, you know, um, especially like a lot of teachers and stuff. <laughs> like people, you know, some of the people I've met doing teaching degrees are some of the most passionate people I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I feel like, yeah, especially at uni, you do meet those people and it's very obvious, you know, who's enjoying their degree and loving it and who's, mm-hmm. you know, and who doesn't like it. And there's a, I've, you know, it's very easy to notice there's a strong correlation between people who like what they're studying and doing well in it and people who, you know, aren't enjoying it and mm-hmm. don't do as well just because they can't bring themselves to do the work or consume the content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's lots of pressures really, aren't there? Um, I mean, again, it all comes back to perception. Everything does or perspective, um, but lots of um, pressures as far as uni, the work side of things and bringing in the income while you're studying, social side of things, um, leaving home, feeling maybe feeling homesick or not. Um, will I fit back in when I do go back? Will I be accepted? Um, and then there's the balance between health and exercise and just keeping it all together. So what what would you say on any of those topics? What comes to mind? Um, well, I think when I first moved to uni, I remember a major part of me was very concerned about making friends and just settling into uni because, you know, that's a major part is, you know, when you move away, you kind of have that realisation that you are really far away from home and all everything you've known. And I was quite fortunate, you know, when I moved up, I had about four or five people from my high school all move up to Adelaide. And, you know, I kind of had that in my head. Oh, you know, at least, you know, if I don't make any friends at uni, at least I'll have these these guys. But especially like, you know, looking at where we are now in the world and it's been, there's still some of my closest friends, but it's been so long since I've seen any of them mm-hmm. that I'm just so thankful that I was able to get to uni and make friends. But as silly as that sounds, I remember on my first day of uni, um, I always joke, I always say this to people, you know, year 12s and stuff, you ask about how uni's going. You know, in high school, all of your teachers will kind of tell you, they're like, oh, don't worry, there's tons of people that, there's tons of people who move away to uni. There's tons of people from the country. And I just remember on my very first day of orientation, sitting in that hall and, you know, they're doing like the get to know you session, you know, raise your hand if you're raise your hand if you've done this mm-hmm. and it was like raise your hand if you moved away from home and I saw about seven hands go up right. in a hall of like 500 people mm-hmm. and that might just be because I go to a smaller campus but I just remember mm-hmm. my heart kind of sinking and going mm-hmm. oh wow I'm the you know oh wow I might be alone in this situation mm-hmm. and I spent the whole of orientation kind of just by myself talking to a few people but at the very end of the day I remember um I forced myself to walk up to these group of girls. They were sitting mm-hmm. there. I'd recognize them from like being in the same group as them. Mm-hmm. And I walked by them about six or seven times working up the courage. And I finally mm-hmm. got over there and introduced myself. Mm-hmm. And the next day we went out for a picnic and it was a really good time. And we were, re- and we stayed really close throughout those first weeks of uni before lockdown. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, looking back, um, one of them's dropped out and moved back to Darwin. One of someone else has kind of disappeared, but the four of them, the other four of the group of six I'm still really close with so that was really that that's a really rewarding experience I kind of Mm -hmm. feel and just something that I do tell people is that Mm -hmm. you know as silly as it sounds when they say just go up and introduce yourself to to people Mm -hmm. that's something that I really do plug because it makes so much of a difference like being able to have friends at uni especially when you moved away from the country having that social circle just makes life so much easier and is a major part of your mental health Mm-hmm. which I've just found has really helped me with settling in and feeling more at home in the country. 
Mm. I mean, feeling more at home in the city. But um, mm. definitely within, like, the physical and mental, like, definitely within the physical health, I found when I first moved away and when I was kind of struggling with feeling homesick or just feeling a little bit uncomfortable in my living situation because moving in with Uni Lodge, I was living with a 40-year-old woman who I'd never, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, I didn't, I'd never met before, didn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. And she was nice enough, but, you know, we just didn't have that much in common. We had, you know, we had a few little... It was just kind of an uncomfortable living situation given the circumstances. And I remember mm-hmm. feeling kind of very lonely and, you know, not at home in this place I was meant to be living. So mm-hmm. I, re- I remember I used to take, you know, I used to go for a lot of walks and spend a lot of time at the gym and just making an effort to, you know, eat healthy and exercise and, you know, maintain a good physical health. And I found that that definitely helped me as well with just feeling more at home in Adelaide and just doing stuff that I would do at home and mm-hmm. just, you know, keeping... Because also, you know, when you're out for a walk, you're exercising, you know, that's about, you know, that's kind of like a form of meditation. It's like, you know, two hours every day where you're just focusing on yourself mm-hmm. and just, you know, turning yourself off from all the other stresses in the world. At least that's what I do when I'm out exercising, which I feel has definitely been helpful. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have days where you find it hard to get yourself out and going on that walk or, and you know, exercising? Um, not really for me. I've always kind of mm-hmm. been someone that's definitely always, you, you know, when I was a kid, I used to spend hours on the trampoline at, mm-hmm. at a time. And mm-hmm. that was always just kind of my outlet. And I've kind of, you know, as I got older, I've substituted that for walking. Mm-hmm. It's more actually, I find myself, I get very stressed out and, you know, sad and almost very anxious if I don't have a chance to do like go for a walk or do some form of exercise before I go to uni or before I, um, before I go to work even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah I just definitely find it such a good outlet just to look after yourself and yeah yeah absolutely I think um so much of this comes back to the need to be able to adapt to change doesn't it I mean all of it comes back to adapting to change and if you think about the situation that we're all in worldwide at the moment we've had no choice but to adapt to that change and that you know changing every possibly every day or every week or or whatever it might be how um important do you believe that um having or being flexible and being able to adapt has been for you I definitely think it's been a major part and I think something that really surprised myself and even all my family back home was that how well I was able to adapt to change when moving into when first coming up to Adelaide because, you know, when you um when you first make that move, you know, you're 350 kilometres away from home mm-hmm. in a new situation and it is very much a sink or swim kind of environment. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of, well, I'm here now, I have to make it work and adapting to change. And I've always just kind of had that, I try to kind of have that, if I can get through this, I can get through anything mentality, which yes. I found has actually been really helpful. Like I said, you know, I was living with a 40-year-old woman that stole my toasted sandwich maker last year. Uh-huh. And from here on out, like any time, like moving in with my new housemate this year has been great. But mm-hmm. like, you know, I kind of have that, you know, I really lived in this small little apartment with this woman that stole my toasted sandwich maker and used to like just still you know I just you know I went from this really kind of uncomfortable living situation and I made it work and I still really enjoyed my time there last year mm-hmm. and you know looking back at you know like looking back at you know some how much I struggled last year with some classes and some assignments that you had to overcome and mm-hmm. just kind of looking through or even looking back at doing you know the whole first semester of my uni experience online from mm-hmm. my childhood bedroom back in Narracourt. Like, if you can get through that, you really can get through anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So definitely adapting to change is definitely, yeah, a major thing. 
especially yeah like as you said especially with COVID and just learning how to cope Mm. and yeah Mm. I feel like especially with I feel like in a way though especially when you've kind of moved away from home and you're living in a new area kind of adapting to change comes a little bit easier Mm-hmm. especially I feel like when you're in my situation when you, you know you're living completely independently from all of your friends and all of your family and it's just you in this environment it's kind of up to you to, to decide how you're going to react to things like you know sometimes mm-hmm. I'm on the phone to mum or dad and I tell them about something I kind of done and you know they're kind of like oh I would have handled that differently and it's just kind of like well actually I'm really happy and you know mm-hmm. I feel content with the outcome that I got from doing this and mm-hmm. it's just kind of, I guess that comes back to being an adult and learning how to make your own decisions and mm. adapting to your own environment because, you know, mum and dad aren't here. And when you tell your friends about it, you know, they weren't in your situation either and you just have to learn to stick to your guns and make your own decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Learn from our own um, mistakes or learn our own Yeah, definitely. Or, or whatever it might be. And I think it's whether we're um, an adult, a parent, or, you know, no matter what age we are, we're all still learning and, um, or what do they say, lifelong learning, we're all still learning. You might have got the same outcome, but you just went a different way around. Yeah, definitely. Mm, mm. Um, well, oh, and the other thing, yeah, I probably wanted to re like reiterate that um, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. I love that saying. I say it to myself. You know, if times are tough, if I'm going through something um, tough at the time, I'll say in my own mind as many times as I like, if I can get through this, I can get through anything and I love it. Um, it's it's a really useful affirmation to say because it's true. If I can get through this, I can get through anything. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have been saying similar things to themselves throughout these last, you know, this last 12 months or longer. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any other um, sayings or any other tips or strategies that you would like to offer people um, I, listening? I'm just kind of, I'm someone that's very open to, um, I'm just someone who's very open. And I always have been even back in just, you know, primary school. I'm always someone that's open to just seeking help. You know, mm-hmm. back, even back in school, I was always the first person, if I didn't understand anything, just to raise my hand. Mm-hmm. And with uni as well, I feel like it's something that's very kind of underrated, not talked about enough is that, it's kind of a, you know, a stigma around uni that, you know, you're kind of told, oh, you know, when you're at uni, your teachers aren't going to care about you the same way your high school ones did. Mm-hmm. You know, there's kind of a, and even in adulthood, you know, you kind of have that, you're a grown up, you have to be independent, you have to kind of take issues and confront them head on by yourself. And I've just kind of found that there's always, you know, someone you can go to, to help, whether it's, you know, a life coach or counselling or, mm-hmm. you know, your boss or a tutor or just even just talking to your friends and getting advice and finding someone who might be able to, you know, help lessen the load. That's just the one thing that I always like to preach to people is just if you're struggling, you know, there are ways that you can go and get help or mm-hmm. just people you can talk to to kind of help you get through that even if they can't help you solve the problem directly you know, down the line, you know, it might just help just to talk about it and get it off your chest, which is something I'm a, I'm a big advocate for because mm-hmm. I've just found, you know, just talking to people and getting help has just made my life that much easier. Mm. But um, definitely just I something else I always just like to preach, it, even just with uni, is just, you know, being prepared and being organised. You mm-hmm. don't have to, you know, you don't have to be perfect all the time and get the perfect outcome, but just, you know, being aware of what's going on and what's going on in your life, what you have coming up. You know, mm-hmm. being able to prioritize and put work or uni first, or mm-hmm. even, or even just putting yourself first. Like, you know, if you know 
you know, that you're struggling, just making time for yourself and being like, you know what, today I'm going to have a me day. I'm going to have a break, a mental health day and just, Mm -hmm. you know, just taking care of yourself. And I feel like, yeah, a major part of that is just being organized and, you know, you don't have to have every minute of every day planned out, but it's good just to kind of have a set structure. And I've Mm -hmm. just found, you know, on days I have lots of stuff to get done. It can be very overwhelming, but just having a plan and going, okay, this morning I'm going to do this, this afternoon I'm going to do this. That's just Mm -hmm. something that Mm -hmm. I've found has just made my life that much easier. Mm -hmm. And on that, I think I remember I studied when I was 30, so I went to uni to study um, registered nursing at 30. So that was a huge change for me after being a hairdresser and very, very practical and not academic so much. But I remember coming to a realisation that, in order for me to study online and um, not, you know, I didn't do many um, uh, clinical, um, I wasn't in the set in the uni setting much at all. Um, Something I needed to really be good at was if I went to the barbecue, for example, and couldn't study, um, I was at the barbecue and I was 100% at the barbecue. Whereas if I decided not to go to the barbecue because I needed to study, I was 100% studying. So it comes back to not only planning your day out, but when you are studying, you're studying, not feeling sorry for yourself, not being out at the social thing, or when you're out at the social thing, not feeling guilty for not studying. What do you think about that? You know, definitely. I definitely find that commitment is just a major thing because, yeah, especially I'm someone that um, with my studies, I'm very much... um, I'm someone that definitely, I love to study on campus. That's kind of what I always do on, I try to definitely keep my study and home life separate, Mm -hmm. which has been, you know, I'm lucky enough that with my work hours, I've been able to do that, but I'm someone who very much loves to, you know, I'm going to spend, you know, from nine to three o'clock at uni today, just, you know, going to classes and studying. And when I get home, I'm going to go for a walk and have dinner. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that comes down to the whole not feeling guilty once I'm, you know, knowing that you've put in the effort and knowing it's okay to take a break. And as long as you're, yeah, I guess, organizing on top of it, yeah, being able to keep, you know, being able to, you know, rationalize your work and make sure that you're looking after yourself and making the most of both your personal time and your study time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another thing I'd love to ask you about is I believe um, when we become adults, we do I think we start to take things too seriously. So I think there's a real contrast in in the fact that we think, well, now I'm a mother, for example, I need to be really taking this stuff seriously. And I think we have a tendency to forget to have fun. So it's like some for some of us, and I know myself in in especially in my younger days, but even st- sometimes still now, I struggle with the um, all or nothing thing. So, what do you think about the fact that now you've you've become an adult? Do you think you're taking life a bit too seriously sometimes and forgetting to have fun? I mean, that's kind of funny because I even though I'm fully aware now, I'm twenty, almost twenty one, living by myself, paying bills and actually legally all things considered I'm an adult it's just Mm -hmm. it's still I'm always constantly just kind of checking myself going oh I'm actually an adult doing adult like stuff (laughs) which is interesting but yeah I don't I wouldn't say having fun's not really an issue for me I think Mm -hmm. with COVID it's been a little bit more difficult to kind of maintain the social life aspect of it but yeah, I'm always a big person, but for even just, you know, messaging friends and going out and getting coffee and having lunch and just catching up with people. Mm-hmm. But I definitely do feel when it comes to like in the brunt of uni semesters, when you have four assignments due and you're working and stuff, you can kind of get stuck in that loop of just, you know, get up, go to work, go to uni, get stuff done, come home and sleep. 
and you can, can kind of fall into that trap of, you know, some days I kind of catch myself and going, oh, I haven't spoken to mum today or oh, I haven't called mum and dad in a while or I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to like my sister mm-hmm. or my friends. So, yeah, I definitely feel like there are just days where you can get kind of stuck in the routine. And especially I feel like in those tougher times when you're really busy, you can sometimes not want to reach out to people like you just, you know, oh, I just I can't talk to anyone today. I'm just not feeling mm-hmm. up to it. Mm-hmm. which can be a really difficult thing to overcome. But I've always just found that, you know, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and do it. Mm. Even if you don't feel like, even if you don't, you know, feel like you're up to it or if you'd be a very good conversation, it's always just good to kind of let people, even just down to, hey, mom, I'm super busy with uni. Can I call you tomorrow? Just to mm-hmm. let people know that you're okay. And then that way you kind of, you know, you've said, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Then making sure you actually do do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the beauty, I guess, of having um, access to texts and social media and, um, you know, even Snapchat, I guess, as opposed to back in the day when we literally just had it <laughs> back in the day a long time ago when we just had a tele- like a telephone. We didn't even have access to any of that, so you couldn't have sent a text and said, hey, mum, I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. It had to be yeah. either either call or not call. You know, um, so it is a good thing in a way, isn't it? Like there's lots to be said for technology and um, about as long as it's all balanced. Yeah, definitely. I do think it's a blessing and a curse because I feel like when, as I said, I have like I have been having a little bit more of a tough time recently. I was kind of talking to mum about that and she did kind of mention how a major part of that is kind of social media because you do have that, especially at least with, you know, I feel like with my generation, we do kind of tend to, you know, rely more heavily on messages and texts mm-hmm. as opposed to calling people. And, you know, half of that is just, you know, out of habit. The other half, I guess, is also, you know, you don't, you know, you don't really know everyone's schedules nowadays. So you might mm-hmm. be more hesitant to kind of, it might actually just be yeah, a society thing at the moment because, you know, it's kind of more unusual just to call someone out of the blue without planning it in advance. You know, mm-hmm. people kind of answer the phone and go, oh, why are you calling me? Mm. And, you know, people don't really call just to chat anymore, which is, you know, it's fine. But definitely I feel like, I think some of the issues I've been having recently with feeling lonely kind of come from, you know, sending your friends a message or a Snapchat and, you know, them not responding. And mm-hmm. for them, they mean nothing but, you know, they just kind of opened it and went, oh, you know, I'm super busy. It's fine. But when you're kind of going through it mm-hmm. and sometimes them not responding or not responding the way you feel like they should or the way you expected them to can send you on a massive spiral sometimes. Mm, which I guess mm. is a real downside of social media, but that's just something you have to learn to combat, I guess, by following up with people and trying not to overthink it sometimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think what comes to mind when you're saying that is um, trade expectation for appreciation. So appreciate the fact that, you know, they're busy or whatever it is, uh, rather than expecting them to get back to you. Because as you said, they don't know that you're lonely. They just, for all they know, it's just one of their 200 Snapchats that they've got during the day that half of them mean nothing probably 90% of them mean nothing um and so it's like rather than expecting anything in return just um appreciating them for who they are and what they might be going through isn't it yeah definitely I do really like that yeah because you know I guess half the time you can never tell what other people are thinking and you can never control how other people react Mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. just something you're real you know you're responsible for your own actions and what you put out into the world but you can't control what other people want to put out into the world or what how they want to respond to you so it's just all up to you and how you interpret stuff yeah absolutely I mean the whole I often say to clients you know if you had the 
had a painting in front of you or it's a, a blank canvas and I gave you a paintbrush, that's up to you to create your or design your life. And I think that's so true because at the end of the day, everything is the way I perceive it. As I said earlier, it's my perspective. It's how I choose to see things. It's the story I tell myself. And if I choose to tell the story a certain way, that's the, you know, the outcome I'll get. Um, so I suppose it's all coming back to the way I see things and, and my choice, isn't it, in, in how I, as you said, what you put out is what you get back. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that kind of also applies to, you know, I guess the greatest skit, like, you know, just everything in life is, you know, it's up to you how you respond and it's up to you to make your own way in life. Mm-hmm. And I think something that's been something that's really good, at least about this society is, you know, compared to, you know, my generation, compared to my parents, you know, it's a lot more open and kind of lucid about what, about what people are doing and what people are achieving at this age. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mum always talks about, you know, she graduated high school and went straight into a full-time job at the bank, which is very mm-hmm. typical for people Mm -hmm. back then and university wasn't really a massive thing for a lot of people Mm. whereas you look now most people after they graduate high school at least consider university or studying which I think is really good and there's Mm -hmm. also you know there's not really as much of you know half of I feel like half of my graduating year went off to uni the other half you know stayed in Narapola moved out and went into the workforce Mm -hmm. but there's Mm -hmm. no like I at least you know like to think that you know there's not much judgment between who did what as long as everyone's happy Mm-hmm, but I think absolutely. coming back, I think, yeah, coming back to the point of comparison and, you know, just looking at, you know, how your life's going, something else I've kind of, you know, not really struggled with, but just been considering a lot is, you know, at the age of 20, 21, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, you kind of tend to second guess where, you are, where you're at in life compared to everyone else and compared mm-hmm. to what you're doing. Mm. for example you know I've had like a few of my friends recently have you know brought their first homes and you see people on social media buying their first homes or getting into relationships some people are even getting engaged you know and that's kind of enough to make you go oh am I where I'm supposed to be at the moment Mm -hmm. but I think yeah that comes back to you know you're holding the paintbrush with your own canvas Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's up to you to you know kind of I've decided to paint a different picture to what that person's painting and that's completely fine it doesn't mean that mine's any worse or any better than theirs it's just Mm. they're going to be different and that's completely okay in the end and thank god they're different because imagine how boring life would be is if everyone did exactly the same thing I'm thinking of the most bland painting that there is invent you know painted um if we were all doing the same thing at the same time I don't even know it would be like groundhog day for everyone and it would be definitely extremely boring (laughs) yeah and even just by one person painting something different it makes it more it makes it you know easier for other people to do something differently as well Mm -hmm. which I think is really great you know Mm -hmm. which is great you know even with COVID you can't deny that you know over the past few years we've made so much progress with just you know letting people do what they want with their lives and being who they are which I feel like is a really really nice touch in today's Mm -hmm. society which is good Mm -hmm. and I think as you know as well on the uni and um, workforce side of things I think it's so important to for people to understand that just because you start out in in you know say you start out in a trade it doesn't mean that you can't eventually go to uni or the other way around you could even go to uni and study and do a degree but then decide you want to go into a trade or or whatever like at the end of the day and and um it's not what we do at the end of the day it's who we are and and I don't think career changes who you are as a person as such it's more about um, how you show up doing whatever you do. That's the important thing, isn't it? You know, definitely. That's something I kind of try to remind myself is, you know, when I'm, you know, struggling a little bit with feeling like, you know, if I get didn't get that grade I wanted on an assignment or I feel like I'm not doing enough within my uni degree, 
I try to remind myself that, you know, when I meet someone new, yeah, typically I'll ask what they're studying or what they're doing for work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it's someone new, especially it kind of goes through, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other and you don't remember them for what they said they're doing. You remember them for what they did like to you or around you. Uh, absolutely. And you just yes. can't, you know, you don't remember them for bit. You, you might remember them as going, oh yeah, that's so-and-so they're studying teaching, but you're going mm. to remember, you know, if they were nice to you or not, or, you know, absolutely. how much fun they had, you know, while you were out together or something like that. Yeah. So just... I think what, what you're making me think of there is any time I've traveled and especially overseas, which obviously isn't um, happening at this point, but um, when you're traveling and you meet new people, they do not care at all what your background is, what you do, what you've studied, what you haven't studied, how wealthy you are or, or whatever, exactly what you just said. It's how you show up then and there, how the, how you make them feel in the moment, how much fun you have together or don't have together. Um, and that's what I love so much about travel. And that's probably what I can't wait to get back to is that in meeting people for that reason. You know, I definitely think I definitely feel that way. But just even about just uni, just, you know, um, first coming to uni and starting as scary as it was to make new friends and meet new people. Um, it's mm. just, you know, I feel like I'm definitely someone that you can ask anyone in my degree. Most people know me because I'm just someone that I'll strike up a conversation with anyone, mm-hmm. like whoever I'm sitting next to in any class, I'll, you know, start chatting to them. And yeah, I feel like that kind of comes back to, you know, I don't always remember what they're studying or even, you know, how well they're doing or what they want to do mm-hmm. afterwards. It is about, oh yeah, I remember this person because, you know, they were really funny or they were really nice mm-hmm. to me or, mm-hmm. you know, they brought me a coffee that one time in the cafeteria because I was upset, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's how people are and not what they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much for chatting to me today on this extremely wintry day. Is it still yeah. raining there? Um, It's... It's currently stopped, but, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to stop for very long. It definitely yep. looks like the thunder and lightning could be back at any moment. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, well, stay warm. Well, thank you very Thanks so much for listening to this episode of In the Heart of a Country Girl. This series will be a more relaxed version of the previous In the Head of a Country Bloke. In other words, I'll be putting them out randomly. So if you'd like to listen to more of these, you can find them on various platforms such as Spotify, Anchor or Apple Podcasts. For coaching services, please inbox me on Instagram or Facebook under Mandy Kernow Coaching or you can email me at mandy at mandykernowcoach.com. Thank you again and I hope you enjoy.